Good morning, good morning. It is great to have you here with us this morning to worship at Big Woods. Um, special welcome to you who perhaps are here for the very first time. I was able to meet some, some new guys from campus. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'd, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 19 through 25. We, we finished up a series over the last several months in the book of First Peter. Uh, we're going to launch a new series um, in the next couple of weeks, but I, I just have a burden. The God has placed on my heart that we examine the subject of what I call this morning, get real, get real, and get connected. Hebrews chapter 10. Listen very carefully. I'll read from verse 19 down through verse 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, as we come into your presence, it is so true that we need you. Every hour, every minute, every second, we need you. We confess that in and of ourselves, we fall desperately short, but we are amazed, thrilled, and excited about your love for us, the grace that you extend and the mercy that you lavishly pour out on us. I pray, Lord, right now for the teaching of your word, that it would always remain uh, the focus of our worship of you, listening to your word. Please guard and, and guide me. May we together as, as a body glorify you. Yes, this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. There's a story I heard about a woman whose name was Alice. She was an older gal, and she lived by herself, and she was lonely. She wanted some company, and so she went to the pet store and decided to buy a parrot that was supposed to talk to her. So she bought the parrot, brought it home, and he didn't say a thing, didn't say anything. So she goes back to the store, and and she told the the pet store owner he didn't say anything. And he said, "Well, what you what you need is 
he needs some exercise. He's a little tight in there. It's new for him to be in your home. So you need to buy this ladder so he can climb up and down and then exercise. He'll be relaxed and he'll talk. So she bought the ladder, went home. Another day, nothing. Didn't say a word. So he goes back to the store. And he said, well, the, the problem is, is you need a mirror. He's lonely, and so if he sees himself, he's going to feel more comfortable. And so she bought the mirror, went back home. This went on for day after day, and she's buying little play wheels and little things. And, and after, after seven days, one week, the parrot died. I forgot to say, this is a sad story. The parrot died. Forgot that. And so she took the gauge, little dead parrot in the bottom, and she goes back to the store, and she's holding it up, and, and she's like, well, here it is. And the, the pet store owner said, well, did he, ever, did he ever say anything? She says, as a matter of fact, he did right before he died. He, he just said three words. I need food. <laughs> I know it's really corny. But I thought about that. There's actually an amazing lesson about that little story that, that you realize just as there is a temptation to fill a birdcage with all kinds of wonderful and entertaining and thrilling things, there, there is what, it is dangerously easy for us to fill up the local church and even fill up our own lives with a lot of entertainments. With a lot, of, a lot of activity and, and a lot of noise, and we can end up literally starving ourselves to death spiritually. Just as there are no amounts of parrot-pleasing toys that can fill the need for food. Understand, nothing can replace the basic need. For the gospel of Jesus Christ to remain at the absolute forefront of everything that we do as a church and everything that we do as an individual. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, without the cross of Jesus Christ, we would be starving in an overcrowded occasion. So we pause on a week like this where we're in between series and, and we want to get back to the main thing. A couple questions we need to ask. Who, who are we anyway? Who are you? Another question I think of is, why are we here? First question, who are we? Well, well, we are Christians. We claim to be ones who follow Christ. A Christian is an individual who has simply been forgiven of his or her sin and has been reconciled to be in a right relationship with a, a holy heavenly father through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian knows, hopefully you understand, everything that we do, it is a lot about Christ. Okay, and it's, it's a little about you. A true Christian knows that if you died tonight and you had to stand before God, and God said, why should I let you into my presence? Why should I let you into heaven? A true Christian would understand and would say, God, you should not let me in. Because I have sinned, and I owe a debt that I cannot pay. But a true Christian would not stop there. A true Christian would continue on and say, but it is because of your grace. It is because of your mercy that you have offered your own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and shed his 
blood pay the price for my sin that I deserve to die. That in a sense is the only means that I can enter the presence of God. That it's the blood of Jesus that paid the debt and satisfied the wrath and the righteousness of a holy God. Ephesians describes it like this in chapter 2. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That's, that's who we are. Understand it is only, only upon that declaration that one is counted righteous in Christ. It is only upon that work that one can truly be reconciled to God's. It is only upon that understanding that we are able to enter, Lord willing, one day the presence of God's. It's who we are. Second, we ask the question or answer the question, why, why are we here? Why do we, why did you get up this morning and look for matching socks and brush your teeth anyway? Why are we here? One purpose, one reason, one focus. We are here to reflect the glory and the grace of God in worship. First and foremost, we are here to express our adoration. Behold our God. We just sang that. To express our gratitude to God. What I call to live in love with God. To speak of his goodness and to sing about his grace and his love. The psalmist describes in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's who we are, it's it's why we're here, but it doesn't just end there. You realize that a Christian, by virtue of reconciliation with God, is also reconciled to God's people. So what happens is that we begin to look left and right and in front of us and behind us, and we see others. Our mission reflects that. Big ones, we talk about what we love God, but we also have to love people. You can't love one or the other. You must do both. I've heard it described like this. If, if you uh, are adopted, and some of you have been adopted, you understand that you did not choose your parents, but your parents chose you. Think of it like this. If your adoptive parents are named Jones, then guess what? You attend all of the Jones dinners and celebrations and parties. You get to go. You share a house with brothers and sisters, and they all have the same name of Jones. When the teacher is taking role and they call the name Jones, you raise your hands. Why? Because you're pretending to be a judge? No. Because someone went somewhere and got you and chose you and brought you back to be one of them. You belong to someone. You are brother and sister to others. Now, now, only our, our name is not Jones. Our, our name is Christian. We have been named after the one who has chosen to adopt you into his family. And now you are part 
of that family. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, New Testament, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, in love, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. And now you are part of a family. Now, please understand, as different as this family is, it is not a dysfunctional family that is estranged and separated like many families in our society today. Rather, it is a close family. It is in what is referred to as what Queenie is in, in intimate fellowship. We are part, Scripture defines it as a body which you don't just see a foot walking into the door. It doesn't exist. It doesn't work like that. We exist together. We are bound together, not just by our own decision to follow Christ, but by the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to view ourselves in fellowship, as a family, as one body. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes it like this, the eye where there was some discrepancy, there was disagreement, believe it or not, people in the church disagreed. And Paul reminded them, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I I don't need you. In short, it's impossible to answer the question, what what is a Christian without ending up in a conversation about what is the church? Thankfully, God's word gives us very clear instruction. Hebrews chapter 10 directs us to the, towards this. Listen to this. It says, since we have confidence in, in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10, to enter the holy places as results of the blood of Jesus, only through the work of Jesus. Then it says this. It says, let us draw near with a true, some translations use the word sincere heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. Now, we know, ultimately, it speaks about the immediate need to be in close fellowship and relationship with God. We are to have a true heart. It talks about us coming close before him with complete what? God, you know me, you created me, you see me. We open up with complete transparency, with complete sincerity and authenticity and ultimately humility. And it says what? We have full assurance. We can go in confidence. It talks about the fact that our faith, because our hearts have been sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, now you can only what completely be open and completely vulnerable when you know all the, the junk. Think about it. And there is junk. It's the secret places. In your own heart, the crevices and the dark corners that no one sees, that no one knows about but you. All the, all the dirt, all the filth, all the sin washed away. Now, if you recall, you are placed not only in right relationship with God, but you are also placed in right relationship with others. So just as we are to come with a true heart to God, guess what? We are to come with a true heart to others. 
So let me let me stop here and let me just be painfully blunt. We have got to learn to get real with one another. We have got to come to a place where we 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 forget it with the fake little plastic smile and mask. How you doing? I'm doing really, really good. No, no, you're not. You're miserable inside. And you're lonely. And you're suffering pain. And yet you tell people, I'm just doing fine. No, no. We have got to get real. Take the mask off. God sees you. And God sees all of you. And guess what? He forgives all of you. And he still loves you. Do you realize this? Just like God, the people of God, those around you are to love you and are to forgive you just like you are to love them and you are to forgive them. So why, why, why is this so hard for us to be real with one another? My my heartache recently has been is that we are we're trying to pretend to be something to be someone that we're really not. My my heartache is that we still, after all this time, we still are not being real with one another, and we think that for some reason we've just got to appear and to keep up appearances. I hear this phrase all the time. I'm not picking on any individual. I hear this repeatedly all the time. Please, please don't tell anyone. Ask for prayer. Ask for for encouragement. Ask for counsel. Please, please don't let anyone know. Out of respect, I will not let anyone know, but you should let other people know. That's the way the body is supposed to work. We sang earlier, we sang this song. I thought it was so neat. I asked uh, Matt this week, he was preparing for worship. I said, listen, can we sing this song? And he goes, it's already picked. I already picked. I love when the Holy Spirit does that. Listen, listen to this. This is the spirit that needs to exist within the body. This is who God has created us to be. Lord, I, I come and I confess. Bowing here, I, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you, my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Listen to this. Where, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you every hour. I I need you. Now, there's a chapter. We don't have the time this morning to read it all, but Paul really gives great instruction. Ephesians chapter 4, the very first series that I ever preached here at Big Woods back in the summer of 2011 was on Ephesians chapter 4. You can go home and check your notes. You all remember that very clearly. But there's a theme that runs through how we do this idea of church. 
from verses 15 through verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to the theme that exists. It says that we're to speak the truth in love. In verse 15 and verse 20, it says that the truth is in Jesus. In verse 24, it says that we are to pursue true righteousness and holiness. In verse 25, it says that we're to put away lying, put away pseudos. Something is pseudo, well, it's not really the real thing. It's kind of pseudo leather. It's not the real thing. It kind of, put that away. And we've got to learn to be honest and truthful. There is, there is no place in the community of Christ, there's no place in the local church to be anything but 100% transparent and 100% truthful. As a matter of fact, very strong words in the very last chapter of Revelation, in chapter 22, it says that, that hell itself is prepared for those, and it says, whoever loves and makes a lie. Well, does that mean that, that, that if you've ever told a lie that you're going directly to hell. No, we'd all be going to hell. We've all told lies. But but it it talks about those who love lies, whose life is surrounded, who are constantly telling lies. It cannot be like that. Christians don't exist like that. Our life is to be controlled by the truth. Three things I want to give you very, very quickly in closing, and I know we're getting to our first point now. This plan worked really good. Thank you, Alice and the parrot. Number one, be honest before God. Number one, be honest before God. The first thing that comes to my mind is when I came home from school as a kid and my mom would have baked fresh chocolate chip cookies, my favorite. I love that you come home and like, this is a good day. And mom would set out three or four cookies and she'd say, these are yours, these are your brothers. And then she'd put the rest of them away and she'd say, don't touch those because we got company coming later on tonight. What do we do? <coughs> you know, we eat the three cookies and mom leaves and we go looking for more. Every time mom would have a note, Jesus is watching on the cookies. <laughs> <coughs> you can't outsmart a mama. That's the first, be honest before God. God created you. God created all things. God knows all things. God sees all things. It says what in Psalm 139? That God formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. You, you don't think that God knows that you're struggling with lust? Or pornography? Are you are you crazy to think that God doesn't see that? Are, are you are you crazy to think that God doesn't know that you are struggling with anger and bitterness toward those even in your own in your own home, let alone in the church? Are you crazy to think that God doesn't know that that you are staying up at night, that you are tormented by fear and worry? You don't think that God sees that? That God knows that? God sees it all. God knows it all. Listen to this in Jeremiah chapter 23. It says, can a man hide himself in hiding places so I don't see him, declares the Lord. You think there's some place that you're going to go like, okay, I'll keep the lights off and no one's going to see me. No, that's just foolishness. It continues on. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, God says? You can't go anywhere without me seeing you. Knowing you. 
It says this in Hebrews chapter 4. Nothing, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. Do you, do you understand? You, you need to be honest before God. You're fooling no one. It says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God in Romans chapter 11. I love how the psalmist says what? That he, the Lord, counts all of the stars which is unbelievable. And then it adds, he knows them by name. I still struggle with finding the Big Dipper every time. He knows them by name. Be honest before God. Number two, be truthful with yourself. And this can be so hard, especially in light of the fact that we live in a culture that is surrounded and saturated by lies. And we buy into those lies. In our flesh, know the truth that there is one out there who is the father of lies. It says this in John chapter 8. You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar. And he's the father of lies. There's one, it's, it's, it describes what in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that, that there's one who masquerades, he wears a mask as an angel of lights. And he tempts us and he taunts us and he lies to us, we buy these lies. The biggest lie that we oftentimes face, lie number one, is this. You're sitting here and you're like, okay, well, lie number one, I, I know that I'm not as bad as the guy that's sitting next to me. I know that. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Lie says, you know what, really, you are pretty good. You might say, well, I know that I'm not perfect, but I come to church every week. I warm my seat. I put money into the offering plates. I helped a little old lady. into. The, I opened the door for her. I haven't been arrested. So we have this lie that says I'm better. That is wrong. It says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned, all fall short of God's glory. Lie number two that we oftentimes believe, the, the one who masquerades as an angel of light, that he, he tells us and we buy it, is that you're, you're worse than everyone else. That you are really bad. That you sit here this morning saying, I know that what I did, God could never, ever forgive me. I am no good. And you listen to the whisper of the lie that says you are damaged. That is a lie. Just as Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned, John chapter 3 says what? All are loved. The truth of the matter is what? Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. It says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The focus is taken off of ourselves, and it's placed on him who goes before us, who does battle for us. He brings what light into darkness. You've got to learn to be honest, truthful with yourself. Thirdly and finally, be open with others. 
to conclude in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, let us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. The old King James would say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Where it is clearly instructed in scripture that, that if we are to get real with one another, we have got to, to get connected with one another. It does no good to be real if you're sitting home by yourself. It doesn't work like that. You cannot have fellowship with a computer screen. You cannot have relationship with a television program. It doesn't work like that. The truth of scripture is what? We have been redeemed together. I saw a bumper sticker just this week, man, it ticked me off. It says, it said this, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now think about that, just like oh, lies, there's an element of truth to that technically, okay? But wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The idea is what? I can just stay home and do whatever I want. I don't need, church it just clogs up the whole system. It just, it just, it gets, you know. No, 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 you don't exist by yourself. You do need to be here. You do need to worship and adore. You do need to what? Pour into and listen and sharpen and chisel one another. We have been redeemed together. We are parts of the same family. We are heading the same direction. We live with the same goals. You're going to spend eternity together. You might as well figure out now how to work alongside. You simply do not and cannot exist on an island. Makes me nervous when people are like, well, we just... Yeah, I don't want to be part of that church. We just do church on our own as a family. Well, you just get wild-eyed and weird if you do that. You can't listen to your own voice all the time. Now, what we are striving to do as a church, and, and we will we will make mistakes along the way. We're going to stumble and, and, and we'll fall over. But we want to get back up and keep the focus on, on the Lord's and on the gospel. We, we are encouraging people. You heard it today. You sign up for a... Home group. That's one way. That's a great way. You, you, you've, it, it can't, you cannot sustain only exclusively in a large, because how are you doing? Well, I'm doing really great. Well, no, in a smaller setting, you're going to take the mask off. You're going to be real. Men need to be meeting together. Two, three men at a time praying, holding one another accountable. I heard tragic testimony of another pastor who's fallen into sin. Why? Because he didn't have anyone around him pour into his life, to ask him the hard questions. Who are you talking to? Who are you texting? What are you watching? What are you listening to? We need small pockets. Home groups is one way. Those of you that are involved in CR, Celebrate Recovery, a step study that's meeting on Sunday night, commit to that. You don't have to do one every single night. Find some setting outside of the general worship setting and get connected, get real with one another. If it's Navigate or New Life, it's got to happen in small groups. Whatever setting. For our women, we have heart to heart. And I love her the testimony this week of Faith Friends Ministry, where they're pouring into and praying for one another. We met this week as elders about men's ministry launching in the fall, where we have got to be committed to one another. I am tired. I do not 
we as elders do not want some club status here where you punch a clock and arrive and try to impress others. No, no. I don't want to be the church that's got a parking problem. Any circus can draw the crowds. What we want to do is to be real. It says that we are not to forsake, not neglect what coming together, take the mask off, and in truthful honesty, we chisel and sharpen one another. We have been gratefully and graciously reconciled to a holy God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that reconciliation, we are brought into what? Relationships. We're reconciled to one another. May we learn and grow together by getting real, getting connected. Father, we need your help. Give us, Lord, your strength for us to take the mask off and to be real. May we exist for your glory. In your name we pray.